Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sawadikarup, guten tak, jau, we viva, cat bang, half a day, jai janendra, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace how, go vegan, from the new right left coast of the genetically mutated McNugget Pharmaceutical Vivisection Prison Killitary Industrial Corp. Nation in the cheese-covered, post-constitutional, bankster-bankrupt, corruptocracy, mocracy, criminocracy, unchallenged by meaty meteocracy, food-borne in the NSA, NRA, um, CIA, USA, uh, home of Uncle Salmonella, where they sure do eat a lot of dead animal body parts, and the Wall Street-backed corporate diet of death, disease, and destruction is shoved down your throat. This is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And, uh, let's see. Hmm. Yeah, okay, so this must be our annual Halloween show, if I look at the calendar here. Aha! Okay, Halloween, just what this panic-stricken nation needs, huh? A, a, a day of extra special concentrated fear and terror. Okay, just just what we need, right? Wait, even on Halloween, Homeland Security is a little spooked, you know? I mean, uh, it's the one day when surveillance cameras and body scanners and facial recognition cameras are rendered useless by a mask, you know, just the... Groucho Marx's nose and mustache, and uh, Homeland Security is in a tiz. Doesn't know what to do. Huh? Uh, Halloween now. What is it? What has it become? Well, it's a day when a terrorist can can dress like a terrorist, you know, and um, fit right in with mobs of uh, trick or treaters, you know. Now I am considering dressing as a terrorist this year. Um, well, I mean, I have it down to two possible costumes. Uh, my usual uh, Halloween costume is, uh, well, I-, I usually masquerade as a normal person, but, you know, this year I'm either dressing as a terrorist, um, and by that I mean, you know, obvious terrorist garb. Um, herringbone sport jacket, elbow patches, of course, horn-rimmed glasses uh, held together with a Band-Aid and a pocket protector. Um, is that sounding like everyone who works uh, in Silicon Valley? Huh? Yeah, well, okay, well, maybe I need to be carrying... Uh, oh, what would I carry? The, uh, the book, uh, The Accountant's Guide to uh, Automatic Weaponry? Huh? Oh. Ah, terrorist costumes over the years. This year... The accountant. We, we, we must be afraid, be really afraid of the accountant. Um, and over the years, you know, I mean, we've uh, we've come a long way uh, with our costumes. You re- remember when everyone was dressing as a Tylenol bottle? That was a pretty scary time. Then it was uh, George W. Bush. Um, yeah. Now... It's the accountant terrorist. Um, However, I still think that a scarier costume would have to be that, uh, you know, that that FBI agent who was standing behind the Las Vegas sheriff at all those press conferences. I don't think there's anyone scarier than he. 
Um, anyone who can make a sheriff just shake in his boots like that. Um, well, that sounds like a wiener to me. Um, and, um, by the way, uh, that, that FBI agent, uh, probably, uh, well, probably a lot of people will be using him as their costume this year. Look at this study from Chapman University, a survey of American fears, 2017. Just in time for Halloween, the survey of American fears. What is the number one fear of Americans right now? It is corruption of government officials. Can you believe that? 75% of Americans um, fear corruption of government officials. And, you know, with good reason, right? Um, and uh, it also says that Americans are more afraid than they have been. So we're reaching new heights of fear, uh, which means, uh, I guess, our government programs are, are working just as planned. Huh? And uh, our media are, uh, you know, just... Uh, Making things happen also, Americans are more afraid than they have been. The number one fear, corruption of government officials. And what I fear in the survey is it says one of three people, one of three Americans says it's uh, okay to give up civil liberties in exchange for security. Um, so that's, uh, that's pretty scary, huh? Pretty scary. Um, so yeah, I think I think I'll I'll be that uh, FBI agent, uh, the guy who was standing behind that sheriff in Las Vegas, who just I mean totally lost his composure. That's the sheriff, huh? Um, all right, that's the costume for me. As I said, that sounds like a wiener. Um, actually, a wiener costume might be even scarier than the FBI agent when you come right down to it. Certainly too scary for children. Um, yeah, a wiener costume. Yeah, that that's, yeah, we're, we're talking, you know, something really perverted here. Uh, um, yeah, that Anthony Wiener, who's sitting uh, in a prison right now, sharing his laptop probably with... Uh, other prisoners. Uh, he's the only one who uh, who knows what's in Hillary's emails because they're on his laptop. Well, and also um, all the 15-year-olds uh, uh, to whom he sexted, they must have it also. But um, yeah, that 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 would be a, a scary costume, right? Wiener. Um, actually, scarier than Anthony Wiener. Um, certainly 15-year-olds should be afraid of him, but all children should be afraid of a real child killer, and that is the wiener, the hot dog, that, that wiener. That's pretty scary. You know, kids choke to death on wieners, so, I mean, there is that cause of immediate death, uh, a choking hazard, and, uh, and a cause of future premature death. That's pretty scary, right? Uh, wieners, hot dogs, uh, actually, uh, you know, all of these uh, uh, prepared meats that are, you know, cause cancer, according to the World Health Organization. Hot dogs cause cancer, uh, bacon, salami, all of these processed meats. Processed meats are 
a carcinogen. What could be scarier of uh, more scary than that? Here, kids, have a plate of carcinogens, bacon. Have a wiener. Ugh, it's really, isn't it scary? Huh? Um, okay. Anyway, if you are a regular listener of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and why would you be? Um, you would know that we have a pretty consistent Halloween theme here year after year, and that is Go Vegan or Die. Hmm. I didn't realize I'd be able to get into character that easily today, considering our new setup here. By the way, if, uh, you know, the sound sounds subpar, uh, if that's at all possible, um, we, yeah, I think, how about a donation? We need, we need some new equipment, including a new microphone here. Uh, that was what was really causing the problem for us for a while. We didn't realize that the microphone was outdated. We thought that Audacity, this program I used to record, uh, we thought, um, you know, Skype was crashing my computer. It was my microphone. I thought it was fancy schmancy, but apparently it's uh, old, outdated, and not compatible with the current Windows. So um, that puts us, uh, that puts me recording uh, with the unfancy, unschmancy, uh, regular old uh, microphone on this computer. So, hey, how about making a tax-deductible donation to Go Vegan Radio um, and help us uh, upgrade our equipment a bit? We do need a new microphone. So, anyway, um, new microphone or not, we press on with our Halloween show and our ha Halloween theme, which is Go Vegan or Die. Now, you can check out past Halloween shows at GoVeganRadio.com and uh, you know, some of those... Uh, you know, are a little more produced than today's show will be, okay? I, you know, I'm not going to challenge our new volunteer audio engineer, Andrew Sutton, to, to create that monster voice, as in some past Halloweens, um, with that sinister organ music in the background. I will just ask that uh, you recognize today that, uh, you know, radio has been called Theater of the Mind, so you must imagine that scary voice and the sinister music um, here at Theater of the Mind. That's what radio was known to be. And uh, what, what would a podcast be then, huh? Um, a podcast must therefore be a Theater of the Pea Brain? Is that what it must be? You know, peas in a pod... And, uh, by the way, that's not an insult at, at all. We, actually, we're very pro-pee here. But, you know, we're um, not, not, not uh, you know, the, the PP dossier. You know, not, not talking about that right now. Talking about uh, something truthful at the moment, which can be scary also, right? The truth. But, uh, hey, we're pro-pee. Actually... Wouldn't that be a great uh, contribution to the kids' uh, Halloween bag there? They're going to get all this, you know, garbage and you give, them, give them some peas. Give them some organic peas or give them a can of organic peas, right? So um, that shouldn't be so scary, right? A cup of peas. How healthy is that? 
I'll tell you. A cup of peas, 118 calories, no cholesterol. You get 10% of your daily potassium needs, 28% of daily fiber. You know, when people say to you, how do you get your protein? Um, well, the question you should ask back is, how do you get your fiber? And uh, you get 28% of daily fiber intake, recommended daily fiber intake, with just a cup of peas. And uh, how do you get your protein? Well, there are eight grams of protein in that cup of peas. Uh, what's that considered to be? 16% or so of uh, daily protein intake. Um, and that's seven grams of fiber, by the way. Fiber is really important um, in terms of cancer protection. And peas have been uh, researchers showing that peas seem to protect against stomach cancer. Well, wouldn't you know it? And uh, what do you get from that? Uh, that one cup of peas, 26% of your daily need of vitamin C, 15% zinc, 12% iron, 40% vitamin K. Yes, the alphabet goes that high with vitamins. 36% uh, manganese, 30% B1, 27% copper, a whole bunch of other vitamins. So why did we go off on, uh, on a pea tangent here? Um, right, because a podcast is theater of the, uh, theater of the pea brain. And, uh, so anyway, yes, theater of the pea brain. Imagine the scary voice, the, the sinister organ music in the background. And by the way, uh, welcome, Andrew. Welcome, Andrew Sutton. Uh, we greatly appreciate your help uh, as we continue to appreciate the help of Ben Brayman over the years, who has really uh, donating don donated lots of his time and energy to keep things around here going. Uh, <laughs> we're almost going. No, he, he came up with it. He knew that it was the microphone that was crashing the computer. Um, he did his sleuth work there. So, anyway, and by the way, things have been slowed down a little bit because of the sudden departure of uh, of key personnel here. Now uh, we have Andrew with us, and I think there may even be a past show or two uh, that we'll find that we'll see the light of day, hopefully, soon. So, uh, anyway, what's our Halloween theme year after year? Just testing to see if you're paying attention. Yes, it's go vegan or die. So, um... And really, that theme never goes out of style. Um, that's kind of true in a in an individual sense, perhaps uh, individual in terms of premature death, and perhaps in uh, in the sense of mass extinction that could come from uh, climate change, which is primarily caused by the consumption of meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. Animal agriculture, the number one cause of climate change, responsible for at least 51% of all greenhouse gas emissions. So, I don't know, should we be saying, go vegan or die for Halloween? Or, go vegan and possibly go extinct or die. And die, if you go extinct. If you go extinct, you will die. Um, okay, so anyway... Um, <sighs> Halloween. You should actually be scaring yourself. You you should be, look in the mirror. Ah, you know. I mean, um, imagine, imagine, uh, you know, uh, for a moment that you are a zombie. 
You are a zombie, hypnotized into eating flesh and blood. Huh? Pretty scary, huh? You <laughs> pretty scary when when you masticate. Um, that is, uh, you know, your mouth in your mouth. You are chewing fecal-covered, pathogen-laden cadaver. Huh? Is this a horror movie or just your typical lunch? Huh? Dining on death. It's pretty scary, huh? Dining on death. You know, <sighs> wouldn't wouldn't a zombie death eater, a, a walking graveyard? be scary to you then then walk then no run run from yourself right now run from everyone around you ah trick trick it's no treat you have been tricked how have you been tricked into into eating body parts huh into you you munch corpse huh and you wash it down with the blood pus and urine of bovine nipple drippings isn't that scary? Isn't that scary? Why, I would say double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Filet of fanny snake in the cauldron boil and bake. Eye of newt and toe of frog. Wool of bat and tongue of dog. Daisy, you don't want to listen to this? Okay, wait. Okay, oh, oh. Um, adder's fork and blind worm sting, lizard's leg and howler's wing, for a charm of powerful trouble, like a hell broth boil and bubble, double, double toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble, cool it with a baboon's blood, then the charm is firm and good. Sounds like soup, huh? At home, right? Pretty much. That's, uh, by the way, um, after 16 years broadcasting here, isn't it time we have a little class and did Shakespeare? Well, that was it. That was uh, Song of the Witches, Double, Double, Toil and Trouble, from Macbeth. So don't say we ain't got no culture here. So, uh, and uh, in that cauldron, why not, uh, you know, cow body parts, pig body parts, chicken cadaver, embryos. I mean, it's all so disgusting, isn't it? Huh? I mean, how have you been tricked into swallowing what you swallow? Huh? I mean, uh we used to say that meat meat's no treat for those you eat. That was a little uh, bumper sticker, you know. So uh, really, meat or flesh, I mean, it's flesh. Flesh, uh, meat, dairy, fish, and eggs are certainly no treat for the animal whose lives are endless horror. It, it's not just Halloween. Like every day, it's not even every day is Halloween for them. It's worse, you know. It's like it's not a horror movie. It's it's not a masquerade. It's uh, endless horror. Uh, meat, dairy, fish, and eggs are no treat for you. No treat for the animals. So you are tricked into developing cancer, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, 
yes, you are, oh, eater of body parts. Let's face it. I mean, if you find it a little scary, well, that's what it is. That's what it is. I, uh, I enjoyed a few years ago um, celebrating Halloween in West Hollywood. It's a major, major production there. So, uh, and we went into a pizza shop in West Hollywood. Uh, this is a few years ago, and uh, everyone was uh, quite entertained by my theatrics there. Wandering through the pizza place, uh, uh, screaming in despair. They, you know, there are dead bodies everywhere. There are dead bodies everywhere. Huh? Uh, just reminding people who their pizza toppings were, uh, just in case they you know, didn't notice. Uh, in case they didn't notice the truth. Huh? The truth is pretty scary, isn't it? Um, you know, so uh, I think I would like to talk about that a little later in the program um talking let's let's talk about the truth being a little being scary um but i think now we'll take a break and then uh continue on go vegan radio with bob linden uh trick or treat please uh uh may may we trick you into uh, making a donation to Go Vegan Radio? Um, how would we do that? Uh, oh, okay. Um, Go Vegan Radio is the number one charity uh, mention, um, recommended by uh, Go Vegan Radio charity evaluators. Uh, did you know that? That's right. Go Vegan Radio is the number one charity recommended, the number one 501c3 nonprofit recommended by go vegan radio charity evaluators so you know you can't go wrong by donating to the vegan cause uh in the form of go vegan radio uh which has been uh, broadcasting since 2001 um it's nice of me to it's interesting a few weeks ago cindy sheehan interviewed me and said uh how long have you been doing this show and i said 16 years and she said well, um, on Twitter it says 12 years. So apparently, uh, every four, you know, every um, every four years I should check my profile on Twitter. But I did change it. So uh, we've been doing the show now for 16 years, as heard on the Air America Radio Network and CBS and Clear Channel radio stations around the country. Uh, we are dedicated to vegan activism and vegan education. We have produced numerous events, including the World Vegan Summit and Expo. And you know something? It all takes money. Uh, I hate that truth. That's a scary truth. Um, and uh, we don't really like asking for money. Who likes to ask for money? Oh, those other charities that are selling you uh, cage-free eggs and all sorts of uh, strange campaigns that uh, make sure uh, that all the animals... Uh, for whom they advocate uh, suffer, are imprisoned, and killed. 100% of them. They get a lot of money. They get millions of dollars. Um, anyway, we would appreciate your support. Uh, you can make a tax-deductible donation at GoVeganRadio.com. Find the Donate button there. And you can also support us through Patreon. The information is at GoVeganRadio.com.
continue on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Limden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Twitter at Go Vegan Radio and Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Limden. And uh, remember also, there is now Radio Bobby, our 24-7 music radio station. Um, that's what I did in my past life. I was a program director, a music pro program director at music radio stations around the country um, back when radio before well before radio uh, was called terrestrial radio we didn't know we'd have to make a distinction in the future uh, we, we didn't we didn't imagine an internet so um, that's what I did I uh, was program director at music radio stations around the country and radio Bobby is my first new music creation in about 23 years and I hope you like it I like it a lot I can't believe I'm taking time away from it right now I'm not listening to Radio Bobby right now it's my favorite thing to do well of course snuggling with Daisy and listening to Radio Bobby so and that's at radiobobby.com radiobobby.com radio b-o-b-b-y.com I think it's going to be your favorite music radio station ever and if it's not then your second favorite music radio station ever and um, Radio Bobby and Go Vegan Radio ask you to support your local 100% vegan restaurants they are very special places in the community they, they're practically the, the rescue missions you know I mean and you know support your local vegan restaurants the food is nutritious and delicious, wonderful, and uh, it you know it's really fantastic that that people put it all on the line to open a vegan restaurant, which is just what we need. So please support them if you are in the Bay Area. You have one of the great vegan restaurants anywhere, Vegetarian House Vegan Restaurant. Uh, it's a Bay Area, Silicon Valley favorite for decades now. You can check out the massive menu. I mean, we vegans don't sacrifice anything or anyone. Uh, we're foodies. We have the best food. Uh, check out Vegetarian House. Check out the massive menu. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're not depriving ourselves. Uh, it's at vegetarianhouse.us. And just a, you know, international foods, massive menu, um, the best food. It's 100% organic, non-GMO, really delicious from appetizer to dessert, soups, uh, raw creations, uh, wonderful salads. I mean, one of my favorite restaurants ever, Vegetarian House. It's a vegan restaurant at 520 East Santa Clara Street in San Jose. And um, also it's become very popular uh, for its catering, uh, because people like to have great food at business events and social events or, you know, at the wedding. You know, you're trying to impress your new in-laws, right? So the food has to be great. Get in touch with Vegetarian House for catering. Uh, again, that's vegetarianhouse.us. And, well, you know, we're, we're up to uh, 6%. That's what uh, Report Buyer in the U.K., says uh, says that uh, 6% of U.S. consumers now identify as vegan. Isn't that amazing? That's up from 1% in 2014. 
So this is uh, amazing, amazing growth that we're having here. Um, and really, if you translate that to, you know, what, what do we have, 300 million Americans? Uh, could that mean that we're up to, what, 14, 15, 16 million vegans in this country? Well, that's great. Let's keep it going. Let's, let's keep helping everybody go vegan, you know, to save the planet, uh, which uh, really needs our help. And people don't realize that going vegan is the only solution for climate change, that we can't uh, depend on an alternative energy infrastructure because that'll take at least 20 years and $35 trillion. Go ask Trump and Congress for $35 trillion now to address climate change. No, we are told by the world's top climate specialists, Robert Goodland and Jeff Anhang, that the only solution is a massive population shift to vegan, and it needs to happen ASAP. I mean, it's great that we've gone from 1% to 6%. Now let's go to 12 and 50 and 75, 99.9. And well, let's get. What? Why? Why am I compromising? We need to get to 100% vegan uh, ASAP, or at least you to go vegan you to make your own personal contribution. Isn't it amazing that you can do something so dramatic for the climate? Today? Yeah, that would be great. You go vegan today. If you're not vegan already, if you're a vegetarian, let's face the reality, you know, a non-vegan vegetarian, let's face the reality that it's kind of the same as a meat eater. So what's the point? Uh, the point is, let's all go vegan and save the planet. Goodland and Anhang are telling us that uh, we can, we can, if we were to do that, uh, we would create so much more land for reforestation. We can go to pre-industrial carbon levels. So uh, come on, do your part. Go vegan uh, because uh, meat, dairy, fish, and egg consumption is the main cause of climate change and therefore the main cause of a colossal iceberg four and a half times the size of Manhattan Island uh, breaking off from the Pine Island Glacier in West Antarctica just recently. This is reported in Live Science. And uh, so the uh, this is the second time the glacier has calved. This is what they call it, calved, C-A-L-V-E-D. The second time that the glacier has calved a gigantic iceberg in two years. So uh, Peter Neff, uh, a uh, glaciologist at the University of Rochester in New York said the event is a major one and that this is concerning regarding future sea level rise. The Pine Island Glacier is the largest contributor of ice to the ocean um, of all glaciers in West Antarctica. Uh, 45 billion tons annually which cause a uh, point uh, zero three inch rise every eight years um, however if you you know keep firing up that barbecue and everything if, the, if we get that whole glacier to melt um, well that would lead to uh, a sea level rise of 1.7 feet so we need to uh, slow that down okay we all need to go vegan. Every, every you know, and uh, even even the dogs and cats in your family can uh, go vegan now with uh, evolution vegan dog vegan dog and cat food. And uh, actually, uh, I don't think you really want to know uh, what 
or who is in the commercial so-called pet food that you may be feeding your beloved dogs and cats. Um, yeah, I don't think you want to know, do you? Uh, that, uh, oh, everyone from ground baby chicks and spent hens, along with sewage and um, steroids and growth hormones and blood meal and animal plasma, antibiotics, and yes, even rendered dogs and cats can wind up in commercial so-called pet food uh, with the... Uh, with the euthanizing agent also so um and you get none of that with evolution vegan dog and cat food um and there are cases of uh, dogs living 21 plus years cats living 22 plus years on evolution that's not a promise or you know guarantee but just statement of fact it's 25 percent off your first order of dry food for new customers uh, when you call 800-659-0104. And Evolution uh, now is uh, uh, producing a new Maximum Life, uh, which is grain-free, gluten-free, hypoallergenic. And uh, it's uh, specially formulated for urinary tract health. Um, so uh, that's from Evolution. Call 800-659-0104 on the first Wednesday of any month, and uh, you get a 20% off. Uh, you get a 20% discount uh, on dry food, 10% off canned food, and special arrangements uh, for those experiencing financial difficulties. So, and uh, you can hear interviews with Eric Weissman the founder of Evolution, uh, at GoVeganRadio.com. And to order online, visit PetFoodShop.com. PetFoodShop.com. And uh, while we're on the subject of beloved dogs and cats in your family, uh, we're coming up on the holiday season. And by the way, Radio Bobby will not be playing any holiday music. Since everybody else plays it, we're just going to be playing the greatest music, all kinds of great music, just to make you feel good. And um, But uh, no holiday music because everybody else is playing it, and uh, we will be your refuge uh, if you want to escape holiday music. RadioBobby.com. RadioBobby.com. Um, now, a great gift idea for the holidays, even though we will not be playing any holiday music, uh, there still may be some gifts happening, right? So, and here's a great one. It's the uh, My Life Coloring Book and My Life uh, Coloring Page. Um, it's kind of your family arts and crafts. You'll be putting your heart into art. It's a fun, creative, educational experience from vegan artist Victoria Hart. Um, so basically, um, you'll be, uh, coloring pages. You'll have a page or, or, or a full book starring your beloved dog, cat, or other animal family members. All you do is send Victoria a JPEG and, uh, it's that easy. You can see samples of her artwork on her websites, Victoria Hart 
www.weebly.com. Uh, that's uh, Victoria, H-A-R-T dot W-E-E-B-L-Y dot com. My Life Coloring Book, My Life Coloring Page. Um, and you can also get a custom animal portrait, a custom realistic animal portrait, custom character art. So, again, look at the beautiful examples from vegan artist Victoria Hart at, uh, you can go to mylifecoloringbook.weebly.com or victoriahart.weebly.com. Coming up next on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, we will have our weekly commentary with Professor Gary Francione. Again, I remind you, uh, I ask you to support our efforts with a tax-deductible donation. Find that donate button at GoVeganRadio.com.
continue now on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, on Twitter at GoVeganRadio, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And yes, I'm, I'm taking time away from uh, my, uh, my pastime of uh, just sitting and listening to Radio Bobby as if I were stranded on a desert island. Well, I guess this is kind of a desert, a desert planet in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and that's RadioBobby.com. And uh, now it's time for weekly commentary from Professor Gary Francione, the first academic to teach animal rights theory in an American law school. He's at Rutgers University. He would like you to go to the website, HowDoIGoVegan.com. And uh, how are you today, Professor Francione? Gary? That was just a, a, a bad joke, Bob. I was making you, I was reinforcing your your fears about your technical inadequacy and making you think that, in fact, I had dropped off the line when I did not. But um, in any event, I'm so, so that silence uh, that we just heard, the dead air, the thing we yes. dread most in radio, yes, uh, yes. was contrived uh, just yes. to... Uh, it was contrived. It was contrived for, for, for nefarious purposes. Ah. Uh, in, in, in any event, I'm fine. I'm fine. I wanted to tell you, I'm working on at this very moment. Well, actually, not at this very moment. I'm talking to you, but um, before you called and after we get off this call, I will be going back to work on uh, the new book that Anna and I are doing on uh, abolitionist vegan advocacy. And um, we're. Well, I feel guilty now for interrupting you. So why don't well, you just keep writing, and we'll just. Yes. You know, well. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I, I think that I think it's look there. There are um, no books out there that actually talk about actual uh, vegan advocacy. There are books that talk about uh, advocacy uh, that is, in my judgment, non-vegan. But there are not books that talk about uh, clear, unequivocal. Uh, vegan advocacy. Yeah, it's 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 quite amazing when when we finally come to the conclusion that there's never been a vegan movement. And here, you know, here I am, vegan for 33 years. I thought there was a vegan movement, and and people claim that oh, we we tried it for so long, it just doesn't work, you know. But but there's never really been a vegan movement, a focus on the vegan side of things. I, I mean, it seemed like we were a bunch of vegans protesting against fur or the circus, but uh, we were never really saying, hey, go vegan. That's that's the, the basic part of it. So, Yeah, I mean, th there, there was a vegan movement, uh, just not in the United States, and it didn't last very long, but there was a vegan movement in Britain um, and um, that culminated in the founding of the Vegan Society, the Vegan Society, in my judgment, has gone considerably astray. Um, but there, there were people in the 1930s um, and 1940s who were very much promoting veganism um, as a moral matter, but also as, as a health matter. Uh, I think the the um, uh, ecological understanding at the time was not what it is now although there were people who recognized that it was environmentally unsound uh you know obviously no one knew that about global warming and indeed a number of people now continue to deny the phenomenon but um but so but there has never been well, there's been a long break then if it's the 1930s and 40s uh there's been a break in vegan advocacy yeah, yeah, and you know i i often wonder really when just you know, in, in, in terms of biblically speaking, 
it, when we do look at Genesis book 1 verse 29 it, it there's a commandment there to be vegan so I'm wondering was there really was there a vegan movement thousands of years ago then you know I mean no, that, that's an inter- that's an interesting question and you know I'm not a, a biblical scholar I mean I've written about the um, the passage in Genesis Anna and I cover that in eat like you care um, and which is itself which in itself is sort of a, a manual of vegan advocacy but it doesn't really go into the the nuts and bolts of advocacy but in that book we talk about the argument that people say well but you know God wants us to eat animals and 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 if you look at at the Bible because what's generally used as the as a support for that is um, the passage in Genesis where God gives dominion and control over the earth to humans and you know, there's been a lot of writing about what dominion means, and, and, and you know, that's a completely, obviously, very, what's a very important question. But, um, and, 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 you know, many scholars have come to the conclusion that dominion does not mean domination. But if even if you look at what the chapter says, putting aside the meaning of dominion, it's very clear in the outset that God creates the world and everyone's vegan because there is no death, there is no killing. Um, so everyone's eating, you know, the, the animals are eating the herb and the seed and the humans are eating the herb and the seed. So in the in the opening creation story, everyone's a vegan. There is no killing. It's only when there's a rupture in the covenant and humans are ejected from the uh, the, the Eden or whatever. Uh, and, 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 um, and then killing begins. Then you have humans engaging in violence against humans and you have humans engaging in violence against non-humans. And in the second creation story in Genesis, God uh, allows humans to eat meat, um, but very much as a, an accommodation to the fallen state of humans. Begrudgingly, it wasn't like, hey, I have a great idea. Why don't you start eating, you know, animals? It, it I mean, seemed to be. It was, it was, it wasn't, a, it was, it wasn't, a, I mean, it's somewhat ambiguous because God, um, there's there's an there's a sacrifice, and God smells the burning flesh, and it, it pleases Him, and He says uh, to humans, "You can go ahead and eat this." But it's also very much the case that these are fallen beings. So it seems to me the conclusion that this was an accommodation to the imperfection of humans um, is a and, and their fall, their fall from grace. Um, is a is a is a is a good you know good good explanation and then if you look later on in 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 the old testament you have lots of statements from uh prophets who say well um when when the covenant is restored you know the lion's gonna lay down with the lamb none shall be killed in all of my holy kingdom etc etc so it looks like veganism is the is the the, the starting point um, and it's only in the fallen state and our imperfect state that we aren't vegans. Yeah, I've heard I've heard people I've heard it said that uh, uh, God supposedly um, was afraid that people were going to start eating other people. So okay, you're going to start eating other people. I I, I don't know. You know. It's, well, it's, I, I, I I don't I don't know. I, I to be frank with you, I've never heard that one. But um, 
because it seems to me if you're God, you could stop him. <laughs> anything, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> anything. It's like right. You 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 like animals? Okay, I won't give them any feelings or emotions. They won't be able to suffer <laughs> pain. You know, it'll be. You know, what I mean, right. yeah, God, do that then, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So so that's not clear to me uh, that that explanation works. But that, and then there's further. You know, there again, I'm not a biblical scholar, um, but you know. Um, I always thought I was raised a Catholic, and you know Jesus was always referred to as being a Nazarene, and I always thought what that meant was he was from Nazareth, and um, and it, it's not what it means. Nazarenes were a, uh, I don't know if it's correct to say a sub subsect of the group known as Essenes, or whether they were, I, I really just don't know the relationship between them, but the Nazarenes and the Essenes were somehow related, and the Essenes about whom we know as a result of the Dead Sea Scrolls, um, the, Nazar- the Essenes were by and large vegan. They ate honey, um, and, um, and, and, but they didn't, eat, they didn't eat flesh. They didn't eat dairy. Um, and, and they had I, lots of years between then and now to, to stop with the honey, too. So, you know. Right, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so, uh, but and, they, and, and I don't believe they wore, um, you know, animal skins. I think right. They no, they, they didn't. They didn't. And and um, and so you had people, you know, you had the, these, you know, we just don't know much about this. I mean, what's really interesting to me is there was a group that developed in the, um, I guess, 10th, 11th century called the Cathars. They were they were dualists. They were people who believed that. Um, that that there was a God. They believed in God. They were Christian. They believed that God. Um, they believed there was a God, but they did not think God created the world. They had a sort of a Platonic view. That is, Plato had this idea that perhaps you know there was this demiurge that created material, the material world, and and the 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 Cathars had the view that um, God did not create uh, the world. Um, the, the, the world was created by a malevolent being because material, the material world is a world of death and suffering and no good God could be responsible for that. Now, I actually think that, you know, in, in the grand scheme of religious views, whatever one feels about them, that's actually a more sensible one than many others. Um, that, you know, because it, it deals with, you know, the, one of the perennial problems in theology has, has been, how do you deal with the problem of evil? And, you know, because if there's a good God and God's all powerful, how do you end up with this mess? And that, that's a that's a, a difficult question to, to answer, to be very frank with you. And I, I've read some philosophical responses and attempts to to make sense of that. And, and in my judgment, they they, they, they fail. Um, and so I think the Cathars had the right sort of approach was just to say that uh, there is a God that is all good. Um, but that God had nothing to do with this world. Um, that, 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 that God is not part of this world. And, um, and what's interesting is the Cathars, because they did not believe in perpetuating um, life, because they thought that the material world was a bad thing, so they were sort of extinctional, they were extinctionists, as it were. They didn't believe that humans should reproduce. They didn't believe that we should eat the products of reproduction because that just resulted in more and more animals being brought into existence. So they did not eat meat. They did not eat dairy because dairy obviously involves reproduction. And they did not eat they, – they, they basically were vegans save for the fact that um, they 
ate fish because they thought that fish spontaneously generated. They didn't think that fish had any reproduction. They didn't think that fish in, that that fish were the product of a reproductive process. They believed that fish just spontaneously generated. I'm not exactly sure why they thought that, but but they did. And what's well, interesting to me is, um, in in I have a number of books about the Cathars because I'm interested in the his, the history of what we ate and why we ate it and or didn't eat it. And um, or wear it or whatever. And what's interesting to me is I have books about the Cathars that don't even mention this, you know, the fact that they didn't eat animals um, with the exception of fish, which they thought spontaneously generated. So I find that fascinating because it's such an important part of who they were. It's it's sort of difficult for me to understand how the hell you could write a book about them and sort of miss that. But there are a number of people. Some, some authors have 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 you know have written about it. Some authors uh, on the Cathars have mentioned it, and some don't even bother to mention it. So it's sure. very strange. And so it, this is it, so this I, I use that as an illust- to illustrate my point that the history of veganism. Uh, is a bit murky because most people weren't vegan, so they didn't really think very much about it, and 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 they didn't think to you know the the Cathar the the way that the Cathars were his, handled as a result as a matter of history. It's really very interesting and sort of shows that um, when we're not when 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 there's something that we do that we're really comfortable with and other people don't do it um when we when we're writing about those people to the extent that we can avoid talking about that we do and and well, so you know, I, I think that's related in in some ways to the cesar chavez of today because uh, it has been written that it was as important to cesar chavez to have people convert to veganism as it was for them to join the trade union and so that would be very important to him but it gets overlooked you know it's like i speak at cesar chavez holiday events and i say does anybody know a vegan or know anybody who was a vegan? And, and no, no, no. Well, how about the guy whose life you're celebrating today? You know, and and that was the, the president of uh, the United Farm Workers who said it was as important to him uh, to have people go vegan as as uh, trade unionism was. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting because, you know, I, I, I did not know him well, but I, I had discussions with him um, and uh, with Chavez and he was going to come to Rutgers and speak when we had our conference in, I think, did Chavez die in 93 or 94? I don't remember which year he died. He died in one of those two years. And whichever year he died in, um, he was coming, he died in April of the year that he was coming in June uh, to speak at our conference. And and um, so I had several discussions with him, and they were very, they were wonderful discussions. And I can tell you, based on those discussions, he very much thought that veganism was. Uh, he 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 had he was a he was um, I guess for want of a better word, what one might call a real you know a, a militant vegan. He believed he believed in it as a moral imperative. He believed he believed in it for a variety of reasons, but he he thought it was a justice issue. He had a I mean he he had a terrific view about veganism, and um, unfortunately he died. And uh, but that year actually we had Dick Gregory. Um, come and speak uh, in his place as our keynote speaker. And he was also an extremely uh, interesting uh, fellow. And, um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and at, at the time, I don't, I don't really know whether Gregory continued in his 
veganism. I think he did. I, I don't. But at the time, he was clearly a very committed veganism, a vegan. And um, but but the, you know, the, so the point is, when you say, well, you know, was there ever a vegan movement? The answer is, well, we don't really know because you know, people who write history aren't vegans. Just like you know, people who write history are men, so we don't really know all that much about women. Right. Um, or, or you know, the, the U.S. Uh, writes the history of Vietnam, and suddenly you know, it's exactly, a good war. Exactly. Or, you know, so it's uh, to the victor, right? Go the spoils, or uh, goes the, the the writing of history. So, um, did you also read uh, Rin Berry's books then? Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, and I knew Rin very well, and it was um, very sad that he died. Um, yes. he, he was a really nice guy, and um, and, and I, very... I had him on the program regularly, and he he said, well, you know, Jesus would have had to have been a vegan, um, and. Uh, you know that that's the conclusion to which he came, and also "Thou shalt not kill." He believes, uh, you know, referred to other species also, or applied to other species, um, not just the way a lot of people say, "Oh, thou shalt not kill." That just means people. You know, it's, all, it's always so convenient just to shrug things off and with your own well, interpretation. Well, you know, again, again, Rin knew more about that than I do, but it seems to say that the Ten Commandments, "Thou shalt not kill," means um, don't kill animals, strikes me as being odd. Because at the time, um, you know, this was obviously well after the second creation story, and it was it was then accepted that humans uh, in the fallen state could eat meat. And I, I don't really, I I'm not sure that that follows. Uh, although Rin may have arguments for it that I'm not aware. I mean, it's been years since I've read his stuff, and he relied. I mean, Rin relied um, a lot on. Uh, sources that I'm not sure are you you know agreed on as as accurate historical sources. I mean I'm I'm not saying that it, I I'm just I just don't don't remember his arguments. I remember that I'm, I'm sure it's in an interview somewhere on uh, GoVeganRadio.com. If people yeah. just uh, search for Rin Berry, yeah. I've had many many uh, interviews with him, and he also talked about. Uh, the concept of uh, Jesus eating fish and saying uh, that was a misinterpretation and it was actually more of an olive pate, but it was called fish weed or so something, something yeah. to that effect. Uh, there are yes, there are arguments. I have I have seen those sorts of arguments that fish um, did not refer to aquatic creatures, but referred to some sort of plant. And and again, you know, um, the Essenes were largely vegan. Mm -hmm. And and so if Jesus was a Nazarene, if he was part of that that scene, if he was part of the Essene scene, um, then you would think it would not be all that terribly surprising that he did not eat animal products. So so that's you know I mean but but we're never going to know the answer to that question. What I always say to people you know is that look you know whatever Jesus did or didn't do, um, you know I mean he, he, the whole the whole point of Jesus was that he was a human. And it didn't, you know, and 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 he, you know, there there are all sorts of issues he didn't consider because he was a human who lived at a particular time, and so you know you would have thought that, um, you know, it, it, you can't. It's, I I don't think you can draw anything, you know, from from. I mean, whether he ate fish or not, um, in my judgment, is irrelevant. Um, and, and I don't, I mean, you know, I don't know whether he did or, you know, but it's it, for those people who believe well, it. I really don't know anything you know, about anything to tell yeah. you the truth. So, and so, so, it's so hard I, to know, uh, anything. But, but, but this has been a very long digression from the, from the point that I was making, which is that we haven't had 
certainly not in modern times. Um, we haven't had a vegan movement because like you, I hear animal people say all of the time, well, you know, we've had a vegan movement. This is this is this, this the thing that you hear from um, from uh, these people Matt, like Matt uh, Matt eat, Matt uh, Ball. Eat, eat meatball right you know yeah, so it's like exactly. oh we've had a vegan movement for thirty five years yeah. it hasn't worked you know and as I'm thinking yeah. where have we actually been a vegan movement what, you and know I, I, mean? I, I hear this all the time uh, from people like Matt Ball and other uh, people who compromise, sell out, and trash the idea of veganism, they keep telling us that we've had a vegan movement for many years, and the answer is that's nonsense. That, that is completely false. We have not had a, a vegan movement. It is, it is the case, I believe, that if one were to have been able – if one had done a census of, the, of people who identified in 1980 – uh, as animal rights advocates, I would imagine that most of those people were vegan. Um, when I first got involved in the animal rights movement, which was in 1982, um, which is when I became vegan, most of the people I knew that I, most of the people, most of the people who were who were identified as animal rights advocates. Or activists at that time were vegan, yes. and we didn't we didn't really talk about it. I, I mean, I don't really remember having discussions about it back then with people. In other words, trying to convince them that they ought to be vegan. If they identified as animal rights people, they were vegan. Now th there may have been some issues that hadn't yet been thought out in terms of people wearing wool. You know, people who didn't eat animals wearing wool or something like that. I mean, I, I, I could that that wouldn't surprise me either. But certainly back then, when uh, Anna and I first got involved with this in '82, I, I, most of the people that we were meeting um, who were identified as animal rights advocates were vegan. In the, in the late 80s, I, I lived in Seattle. I worked at a radio station called The Sound, and I was on. Uh, the board of directors of a group called PAWS there, Progressive Animal Welfare Society. Yes, I remember, I remember them. And um, we, we were all vegans, but I do remember we were just protesting fur and protesting the circus, and we never really were promoting veganism, yet we all seemed to be vegan. We'd have potlucks, and I brought something that actually had some tofu in it, and people were putting it back because they thought... It, you know, it wasn't vegan. I said, no, no, I made it. Don't worry. It's vegan. It's just the texture of the ho tofu and all, you know. So, um, yeah, we were all vegans, but never really promoting being vegan. It just kind of felt like, oh, we were just naturally vegan. Why? Yeah, exactly. 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 I think that I think that's right. I think that, uh, you know, it's sort of hard to remember. And, and, and look, the thinking was not all that terribly clear back then. But as I recall, Basically, what our thinking back then, um, or certainly I, I'm not going to speak for anyone but myself, was that, you know, yeah, we were vegan because we got it, um, but that we had to educate people and we used things like the fur campaign and the vivisection campaign and stuff like that to try to educate people. And we would hope that eventually they would go vegan rather than focusing on veganism directly. We didn't really do that. Well, and, and, and fur and circuses seemed, seemed easier than trying to convince people to go vegan because sometimes we thought, or sometimes 
vegans thought, oh, it's just so hard to get other people to vote, go vegan, as if, you know, I get it, but they won't get it if, uh, if, you know, if, if we address the subject. So a lot of people felt, oh, I don't want to push veganism. It's too hard for people. I don't want to turn them off. Fur in the circus, maybe, you know, maybe they'll stop going or stop buying or something. Well, well, I mean, remember something also, that um, at the time, the, the, the knowledge of nutrition, as a general matter, was sort of in a different state. Certainly, you didn't, there was no internet, right? I mean, you know, there was no internet. So the ability to get information was, was uh, you know, the opportunity costs of getting information were greater. Um, there wasn't a there wasn't a literature about vegan nutrition uh, out there, and I remember when I first became a vegan in '82. You know, I, I didn't have a very healthy diet. I mean, I, I you know I ate a lot of junk, um, and and you know, I, I mean lots of junk. I mean, I used to eat lots of junk food, and um, well, and I, so I thought going vegan or whatever I did might have been detrimental to my health. You know, yes, I mean, when I, I you know, and it was like well. Too bad. I can't, I can't participate in the violence. I, I can't participate in the killing. So if it's detrimental to my health, what can I do? I, I, I can't eat animals anymore. I can't, I can't have dairy and eggs. So. That's, exactly, that's exactly how I felt. Is I, I always thought, well, the health of my spirit is more important. My moral health is more important than my physical health. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I was a vegan, um, by which that meant for me back then that um, I ate lots and lots and lots of potato chips and pretzels and, and just junk. And, um, and, and, you know, there also wasn't, you know, there wasn't there, all of the, the substitute products. Like, um, I mean, I don't eat the stuff. Now. I don't eat the fake meat stuff now, but that stuff didn't exist back then. There, and, there was one product called uh, Soy Maj, which uh, pretended to be a vegan cheese. It was, it was terrible. I would buy it every six months to see if uh, the flavor had improved. It, it never did. Um, and so there, there was really nothing. Um, w when I finally discovered tofu, like I'm the one who discovered it, even though in Asia it's been there thousands of years, that was what? like, oh, it, I, nothing made me happier. I can't, I can't believe it. There's something called tofu. This is great. You know, so. Yeah, no, I, I, remember, I remember, you know, in, in the beginning – it wasn't as you know now you can go in any supermarket and they got tofu all over the place back then you had to go to a health food store and like you know one out of five might have it or you had to go to an asian an asian grocery store you had to go to you know you had to go to an, you had to go to chinatown and go to an asian grocery store first i had to know it existed <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah but, you know when, when we found out it existed you know it wasn't that we oh we go to the store and buy it it was like you had to, you had to make efforts to buy it and also there was like no there was really no understanding back then, at least, at least that I had, um, or the people I know had that, you know, that, well, you know, all you had to do is eat like salads and put beans in and have some grains and stuff. And you were just, you were just fine. I mean, you know, it, it was, we all ate cooked food. And so there wasn't a whole lot of cooked food that could, you know, that was readily available that was vegan. And so you ended up eating a lot of junk. And, you know, I remember, um, there was a, there was a, there was a brand back then uh, I think it still may exist. I don't know. Uh, Loma Linda, does that still exist? Yes. Uh -huh. okay. Right. Uh, ma mainly, you know, in uh, Seventh Day Adventist uh, grocery stores. You know. Right, right. But Loma Linda, oh, yes. Loma Linda Big Franks. Mm -hmm. And and I remember, you know, I used to sit around and eat. You know, my I, I, for dinner time, I would open up a can of Loma Linda Big Franks, which 
you know, had a lot of salt and a lot of night. You know, I mean, they weren't healthy things. I, I don't, I don't believe they were. Um, but you know, I used to eat that stuff. And um, and so did uh, I. So so did I. Loma Linda was a yeah, that was a big yeah. discovery for me too. But I, I didn't, I didn't really love it. You know, I didn't think it, it, it tasted that great. But you know, I was willing, willing to go for it for a while. And then oh, and, and so by the way, years later. Uh, a woman who's with the Seventh Day Adventist Church is actually listening listening to my show in Los Angeles, and she heard me mention uh, Genesis uh, one, uh, Genesis book one, verse twenty nine. Uh, she practically drove off the road, and then she contacted me, and next thing I know, I'm cooking for the Seventh Day Adventists for you know I'm making big meals for them, and they're loving it because. Um, they they vote, they're used to Loma Linda, you know what yeah. I mean. So yeah. so I'm I'm having um, the, uh, the the preachers from from Seventh Day Advent is going like great balls of fire. Who made this lasagna? You know what I mean. It was like yeah. it came to that because uh, you know. Uh, but but that was the basis of vegan food. Very often there were Seventh Day Adventist restaurants and Seventh Day Adventist yeah. little health food stores, and they did have that. Loma Linda, maybe they had Worthington at the time too. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't, rem- I don't remember. I just remember that the, the pickings weren't great back no, then. No, 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 and, no. And the first vegan ice cream was that ice, ice bean, bean, ice which, bean, right? Which was right. so horrible. Um, it was, was just it? That- see, see, I liked it. Maybe by then oh, it was. Like, <laughs> I liked ice bean. Yeah. Good, uh, good, good for you. I almost. <laughs> I, I think that was made. Wasn't that made by the people from uh, the farm in in uh, Tennessee? I think that. I have. I I do don't remember. All I remember is that I ate some, and I said, you know, I really am committed to to rights for animals because only somebody who was thoroughly committed to rights for animals would eat this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know, and, and so so it was just it was a different time. But we haven't had a v- we know we didn't really have. I mean, but so back then we so, were. So we was, went from six thousand years ago to the nineteen thirties and forties, and now. Fast forward to today, <laughs> you know, yeah, a few I mean, breaks in the action here. Yeah, and and so, well, we, you know, it's like there's limited time. We've got to cover a lot of ground. Um, but I think I think in the 1980s, you know, I, I don't remember, to be honest with you, I don't remember people advocating veganism to the general public. I remember have, I remember that, you know, when, when people would want to join the animal rights movement, we would have discussions with them about why they ought to be vegans and stuff like that. But, and I remember, you know, being at demonstrations that we did and where people came up and said, oh, you know, I want to join your efforts and whatnot. And we would say, well, you know, you really should go vegan. And we would explain it to them and stuff. But as a general matter, we didn't advocate veganism. Never, never. never. Actually, you know, years back when I went to circus protests with my megaphone, I would also bring up uh, being vegan while I was on the megaphone, and people looked at me like, "No, don't, don't, don't bring that up." You know what I mean? It was like, you know, if you really care about animals, you know, we won't go to the circus, but we also don't want to eat them or wear them. And other people protesting thought that I was out of place for actually bringing up being vegan. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I'll tell you an interesting story in that regard. I remember once um, in, in the '90s. Uh, I don't remember when. It was probably. Oh, I don't know, 93, 94, around there. Um, I was invited to give a talk at at, at a, an anti-hunting. There was a, a hunt going on uh, somewhere in Pennsylvania. And uh, like the whole state is like one big hunting area. But um, but there was there was a particular hunt going on in a park. And there was a, a bunch of uh, advocates had, 
had organized a demonstration against the Hun. They asked me to come down from, I was then living in New York City, and they asked me to come down and speak at this rally. And, and so I did. I came down, and I spoke at the rally, and there were media people there. And um, I was interviewed by a news station, and they said, well, you know, you're not being honest about this. And, you know, and I said, in what way am I not being honest? They said, well, you know, you're opposed to the hunt, but you're opposed to eating all animals, aren't you? And, and I, she said, I, I believe, as I, as I recall, what she said was, you believe everyone should be a vegetarian, don't you? And I said, no, I believe everyone should be a vegan. And there were animal people standing, the people who had organized the demonstration, I thought, were going to, on camera, eviscerate me because they got very upset because I, and they said, well, you're, you were only supposed to talk about the hunt. And I said, but I'm sorry, I can't, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. You know, I mean, I did talk about the hunt when I was actually speaking. I talked about the hunt, you know, about why they shouldn't do the hunt and why the hunt wasn't necessary and blah, 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 blah. Um, but, but when I was asked by the media, you know, isn't my isn't my argument really much more much more thoroughgoing than focusing on the hunting? And the answer is, you bet it is. I don't think anybody should eat them, wear them, use them for any purpose whatsoever. End of story. And and the animal people got very upset with me. So the bottom line is, we've never really had a vegan movement. Um, you know, in in and what we had what we've had is a movement. You know, this sort of compassion movement that that encompasses a reducitarian approach and you know a happy exploitation approach and most of the groups do promote veganism although they, they may not use the word vegan because for example mercy for animals has a whole page about why they don't use the word vegan um, and so you know these organizations can can promote veganism but they don't promote it as a, as a moral imperative and that's really the the huge difference is that you know what 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 the the approach is, is that people are saying well you know, you ought to, you ought to um, either reduce your your consumption of meat, or you ought to buy, you know, uh, uh, more humanely raised meat or dairy or eggs or whatever, you know, cage free eggs or you know, ahimsa dairy and all that nonsense. And um, you know that that, but they're not saying that you have that if animals matter you've got a moral obligation to go vegan because veganism is a moral imperative it's a moral principle it's not just it's not just something that you you know that you can do if you care about animals it's something that you must do if you care about animals it's something you're morally obligated to do if you care about animals there's never been never never ever 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 been a movement um, I, I wish that, I would have noticed that over the years. I might have concentrated my efforts toward that a little bit more. You know, I mean, it's really. Well, you know, I, I, to be frank with you, to be frank with you, you know, I, I always assumed that it was necessary if you're an animal rights person that you'd be a vegan. But um, because until the late 1990s, I was involved with a lot of these groups where we were promoting single issues, and and um, uh, we were promoting single issue campaigns. And um, and and it was the sort of thinking, Bob, that continued. You know, it, it continued through the 1980s into the 1990s. That is, you know, veganism was what we thought the you know the 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 the, the bottom line was. But the but our advocacy to the public was very much. Um, you know, on, focused on the single on single issues. I mean, to the extent we talked about 
eating or wear or clothes or stuff like that. We always said, you know, you shouldn't eat animal products. You shouldn't wear animal products and wool is bad and, you know, that sort of thing. And I remember giving a talk in probably 95, 96 on Fur Free Friday. And I, I, I basically said, you know, I'm not here to talk about fur. I'm here to talk about animal clothing, you know, that, you know, basically it's all bad, you know, fur, wool, leather, silk, all the same. And, and, um, and and I animal advocates got upset with me when I did that. They get upset with me all the time. But um, but so so you know, I, I was working with these groups until the nineteen you know well into the nineteen nineties, and their position was that we ought to do these single issue campaigns. And so what I try to do is push them in the direction of single issue campaigns that were abolitionist, where you know what what you were doing is saying, yeah, we're going against, you know, we're 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 focusing on this practice, but we want to be clear that you know this is just one brick we're taking out of the wall, and we believe the whole wall ought to come down. And so we're letting you know now that this is something that we're opposed to, but once we once we get this, then we're going to go for something else. So you know it was, but that but that was not how the movement wanted to go. The movement wanted to basically take the position that they wanted to focus on things that they were actually character as worse than other sorts of things and they didn't want to talk about the other you know the things that were supposedly less worse and that's one of the reasons why I and and it took me a while to understand that sing that sing the reason why the advocates were doing that was because these were all businesses and and if you took a position you know if you wanted to have a campaign you know that focused on um, you know veal you had to make it out that veal was worse than everything else and that and that you didn't want to take a position on on the everything else because you wanted a lot of people who ate meat and dairy and eggs and stuff to be part of your coalition against veal so it took me a while to see what was going on i mean you know i i i I took me a while to see but uh so it was it was towards the i remember i remember when years ago bob i remember having a discussion with you about single issue campaigns and i remember you saying to me but really are they that bad and 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 I mean this is a number of years ago, but uh, and and you know you're you're about as as savvy as one gets out there, and the and the thing is is that not none of us really sort of saw it. We 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 thought that well you know single issue campaigns could be part of an abolitionist strategy, and the answer is no, they can't be because the only way these things function, the only the only things they the only way they work as an economic matter is to build coalitions involving people who are engaged in animal exploitation and and who think that other people are worse than they are or or at least other people are bad they're not bad they're the other people are doing the abusive stuff they're not doing the abusive stuff and that's the only way you can keep those coalitions together and get people to donate money to your to your group but it took me a while to see that and then it was in the late 1990s that i basically said you know what none of this stuff could possibly work and the only thing that makes sense is focusing on veganism. That is the only thing. The only thing that it makes sense to do is to focus on veganism, and because that's the only way you're going to really get people to see what the problems are with animal exploitation. Is to sort of as long as they're as long as their primary way relating to animals three times a day is eating them. As long as every time they get dressed, they're putting on animals. You're never going to really get them to see the problem. And and you know I remember um, you know trying to talk to those advocates at the hunting rally. And saying that, well, you know, think about this for a second. People are home watching, you know, the, the television coverage of this of this um, hunt. And if they're thinking about it at all, 
they've got to be thinking, well, you know, yeah, it's really sad that they kill those deer and the deer are so pretty and it's really so horrible. On the other hand, we all go to the store and we buy animals, you know, in in packages. So, like, you know, it's just like, you know, some people go and hunt them in the woods and some people go and buy them in the supermarkets. But, you know, why should we just focus on the people who who are hunting them in the woods? And the answer is there's no good answer to that question. So you've really got to sort of address it from the ground up and as a as a matter of um as a matter of uh of 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 veganism and so so there but there's never been that movement we've never had that movement you know we've got we we, you know we've got all of these groups will say oh yeah veganism's great but it's not something you've got to do um you know if that's what you want to do that's great but that's but but they also portray it as very difficult they say but that's you know that's that's if you really want to be hardcore you can be vegan you know it's very difficult you can be vegan but um you know you can reduce you can be a reducitarian or you can go and you can you can eat chick you can eat uh, beef instead of chicken i mean this is like insane in my judgment the fact that the guy who co-founded Vegan Outreach, which was which has been trashing veganism for years, um, you know, and that's a clever strategy. You know, you get you get you you identify yourself as the as the main vegan organization, but you trash veganism. It's actually a you know it was a it was a fairly effective marketing strategy. But um, but you know, so you got Matt Ball running around telling people, well, they could eat beef. You know, I mean, they could eat, you know, the, and then they're responsible for very few deaths, you know, relative, you know, if they eat those chickens, you know, the, the chickens, you know, I mean, you have, you have the insanity of Matt Ball saying, eat beef, don't eat chicken. You have Peter Singer, who's on Matt Ball's board, saying that chickens are different from other animals because they have no sense of self-awareness. So he doesn't think it's a tragedy that millions of them are killed every day. Um, I mean, it's a complete animal confusion movement. It's it's in, it's 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 a it's because it's not really a movement. It's not a social movement. It's a business. And so, you know, when you're when you're when you're running a business, you know, you take all sorts of positions depending on what you think is going to sell, and and you take different positions on different days depending on what you think is going to sell. And so, what you got is a complete mishmash of nonsense. Um, and and, uh, and a, a, a lot of the vegans, including Wayne Pacelli. In an interview with uh, Ralph Nader a few days ago, was was uh, you know toward the end of the well. So d- did you by any chance hear that interview? Uh, I, you know, Bob, I did not, but I'm, I intend to write about it because I got your e- I got the copy of the of the letter you sent to Nader, mm-hmm. and one of the things that you quoted in there, I have not heard the actual interview, but one of the things that you quoted in there that I'm going to write about is Pascal saying it's actually more profitable to be more humane. Well, see, that, and, and that was the program description uh, that uh, Nader put out. It, it, it was, uh, quoting it here, it was, uh, Humane Society of the United States, Wayne Pacelli, argues that if industry treated animals better, they'd actually increase profits. And, and I, I don't know, and, and then Pacelli in the interview is praising McDonald's and Walmart, and I'm thinking... McDonald's is getting praised on the Ralph Nader show. You know what I mean? Look at how slick. Look at look what a, a slick corporate sales scammer Pacelli is. He's on there, and then you know Ralph Nader, the author of Unsafe at Any Speed and the Corvair, and you know how the Corvair was so dangerous. And I'm thinking, Ralph, would you have said like? You know, put tinted glass on the Corvair so you can see your accident better, and and then GM could actually have bigger profits. You know, I mean, it's like, 
Yeah, no, I, I mean, look, the reality is Ralph Nader doesn't see this very clearly because he ain't a vegan and he wants to continue eating the stuff. But the, but the bottom line is that, um, you know, Purcell says that um, you can increase your profits by being more humane. Bob, I've been saying that for, what, 30 years now, that if you look at the history of the animal welfare movement, animal welfare reforms generally increase profitability. They certainly increase production efficiency. Um, and, and, you know, they, they certainly, they certainly cut down. I mean, that's why you had an, a, a humane slaughter act. You, you cut down dramatically on worker injuries and you cut down dramatically on carcass damage when you require that animals be stunned before they're shackled and hoisted. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. And so, so, you know, this is all, it's all nonsense, but we've never had a vegan movement. We've never had a movement. So the thing is, it, it, it kind of makes it shameful. I mean, I, and I just posted something saying, you know, I mean, now now that you see it in his own words that, you know, if industry treated animals better, uh, they've actually increased profits. How dare we as animal advocates or activists support that? How, how in good conscience, how can we increase the profits for those who enslave, imprison, mutilate and kill animals? I mean, it's just... I, well, I, don't, I, I think I guess, by definition, I, we can't be part of profit raising for industry. I mean, that's not. I, 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 no, no kidding. No kidding. By I mean, definition. I mean, I mean, I've been saying this for a long time that, you know, of course not. We can't. I mean, that's what we're doing. And I guess the argument is that a utilitarian like Singer would make is, well, yeah, we may be increasing their profits, but we're also reducing suffering. But. If you think about it for a second, you don't need anything. You don't even need Econ 101 to see it. What you'll understand is because the humane, the the supposedly humane improvements increase um, profitability, they are things that would happen anyway uh, because they're things that rational actors would do to increase their profitability. I mean, so so the, the, you don't need to can't you don't need to have Purcell out there campaigning or PETA or Mercy for Animals or any one of these other sellout organizations. You don't have to have them out there campaigning for it. It'll happen anyway as a result of economic as ra- as a result of rational economic activity. And so so you know that, that that's the problem. I mean that that's 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 the problem in a nutshell. And so we're, so, we're doing we're doing the work for the industry. I mean it's, exactly, uh, it's so exactly. amazing. So exactly. amazing. And, yeah, and I, at, at the end of the interview, by the way, um, Nader did ask Pacelli if he uh, were vegetarian, and Wayne said that he's vegan. But immediately, it's like he's almost apologetic. Uh, he he says, you know, I, you know that's that's right for me. Being vegan is right for me, but. You know, for, for, for everybody else, I mean, you, you don't have to try to attain this level of purity. And, and he keeps using the word purity, you know, and, and uh, what's wrong with pu- what's wrong with a little purity in the world anyway, instead of compromise? And yeah, I don't know. Well, but, you know, that's totally speciesist because we would never say that about fundamental human rights violations. We would never say, well, you know, you really shouldn't engage in rape. But, you know, what the hell if you do it occasionally? I mean, you can't be a purist about it. Um, you know, or not, you know, not not engaging in racist behavior is good for me, but I'm not saying it's necessarily good for you. And <laughs> you don't want to be purist about it. So, I mean, species is nonsense. Um, and and for, for sure. But um, but I think I think that, um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I remember in 90, 1996, when I wrote Rain Without Thunder, I pointed out that that um, uh, Temple Grandin. You know, was basically making. I mean, Temple. I mean, look, anybody who's who's thi- 
this is not a you know this is not a new idea that animal welfare increases profitability or makes makes production more efficient. The exploiters have been saying that people like Temple Grandin have been saying this for years. And so I pointed that out and said, you know, this is a problem, people. When you're supporting stuff like this and it's increasing profitability, you become part of the industry. And the result of that was, you know, people stopped talking to me and inviting me to conferences because they got so pissed off at my book because I pointed this out. But that's the reality. I mean, you know, I mean, you had people, people were going crazy about Temple Grandin. You know, you had, you had PETA, PETA. People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals gave Temple Grandin an award, Bob. Yes. They gave her a Visionary of the Year award. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, I mean, w- what are we talking about here? And and so, you know, I think that that's, um, that shows how, how confused we are. This gets me back to the point I started with 45 minutes ago um, that I'm going to make again, and then I'm going to leave and go back to my work, and that is, next time we talk, I'd like to have my better half, uh, Anna, on the phone with me because she's my co-author and um, we're, we're very excited about this book um, because it is the first book to come out that actually talks about nuts and bolts of vegan advocacy not not welfarist advocacy not telling people that it's okay to be on a journey not telling people that well veganism is a really great thing but you know it's not for everybody and blah 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 none of that nonsense um, you know, n- none of this. Let's meet people where they are and tell them they can keep on exploiting animals. This is a book about vegan advocacy: how to do it, where to do it, why to do it. Um, and it's uh, we're very excited about it. And so when next we when next we we meet, um, I will uh, uh, I hope have Anna on the, the phone with me, and we will talk about the structure of the book. And you know, because it's it's actually it's got two parts. The first part is sort of the how you advocate, you know, we talk about various ways of, you know, what what sorts of things can you do to advocate? And then the second part of the book is we talk about the substance of advocating, what sorts of things you should say. And we give sample conversations, you know, we give examples of how to have conversations and, and dialogues with people. So I'm very excited about that. Very, very, very good. Um, it will probably be unlike the activism I see coming up this weekend where it looks like uh, PETA and DXE are getting together for a number of uh, activities. I'm looking at something just sent to me. It says, this weekend, hundreds of activists are converging on Berkeley. Oh, maybe I should go see what's happening there. Uh, where we'll be, it says, we'll be performing some of the most powerful mass actions in animal rights history and have legendary figures speaking at the Berkeley Animal Rights Center. If you can make it to Berkeley, don't worry, you can join us online. Um, And it says, uh, here's what we have planned. First of all, Friday, 7 p.m. Pacific time, which would be this evening. The show may not make it to the archives before that, but it says, uh, we'll broadcast PETA founder Ingrid Newkirk as she talks about three decades of animal rights history and details it uh, into uh, practical advice be kind, whatever. So anyway, so it looks like uh, PETA and DXC are joining together. Then there are are some things happening in Berkeley with the mayor's office on Saturday and more actions on Sunday. So maybe I'll go check it out and see what people are doing. Uh, Well, I mean, look, I mean, DXC and PETA are both organizations that have you know that they're both they're into a lot of the, you know street theater and a lot of you know I mean you know PETA actually you know got started with the you know, I'd rather go naked than wear fur demonstrations and now we have DXE engaging in all sorts of things like 
going to restaurants and screaming and yelling at people, which is really useful, or um, or, or or you know getting into altercations with people who are you know uh, I still would like to discuss with Wayne Shun. Um, how it is that he thinks that there's any justifiability to that instance involving the DXE people and the man of color outside the restaurant who was acting as the bouncer. I, f I thought that that whole thing was uh, terribly troubling and racist. Um, and, um, and, you know, you have, you have uh, you know, PETA promoting sexism. You've got DXE promoting all sorts of problems. Um, and you know what? They're perfect for each other. Uh, but they are different. What they're doing is different from what I'm doing. It's different from what you're doing, and it's different from what the abolitionist movement is doing. There are businesses, and um, I, I frankly, I would, I assume if it's going to be online, uh, someone will capture Ingrid Newkirk talking about 30 years of animal rights history, because that'll be worth some laughs. I have to say, um, <laughs> it's it's sad. It's sad. I mean, they're not going to be. Happy and, 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 and you know, Ingrid was the first guest on this show 16 years ago. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, I, I, I didn't want to really. I didn't. You know, who wants to see the truth about Peter? I, I loved Peter for a while there. You know, but and I thought that Peter was very just straight ahead, pro-vegan. You know, and uh, very, very disappointing to see the compromises along the way in, in, in lots of areas with PETA, really. Yeah, well, I mean, look, not only did they promote sexism, not only did they promote welfare reform, they went, they went, they just went to town and did things like giving awards to Temple Grandin, giving awards to Pat Buchanan, giving awards to Whole Foods. They gave awards to Whole Foods. They gave them the, the animal welfare friendly retailer of the year. Ingrid was, you know, uh, uh, PETA signed on to that obscene letter that inaugurated the happy exploitation movement where she, you know, heaped praise, you know, where PETA, along with Peter Singer and Compassion Over Killing and, and Mercy for Animals and Vegan Outreach and Farm Sanctuary and Animal Place and all these places, um, you know, heaped praise on Whole Foods for their animal welfare, happy exploitation program. So, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, look, the difference between PETA, when I first became involved with them in 1982, and PETA now, is PETA now brings in zillions and zillions of dollars. PETA then gave, had nothing. The difference is, back then, they had ideals. The difference is, now, they're just a business, and they're just selling compassion, and it's worthless. It's actually worse than worthless. Yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, it looks like I, I just now got a reply from Peter Singer. You know, I invited him to come on the program in light of uh, the new accusations um, by Shark uh, regarding his uh, conflicts of potential conflicts of interest with his association with animal charity evaluators and uh, Animals Australia. And uh, let's see. So let me open up his response here. See if he'll come on the show. He says, uh, "Oh, thanks, but I've got too many other commitments and not <laughs> enough time." <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, but I can't actually I can't actually be questioned about my inconsistencies because that's not permitted. You can only call me Father the Animal Rights Movement. Anything else you say is not acceptable. All right, uh, and, and that that um, those accusations from Shark uh, are actually on. Last week's show, which uh, should be posted by tonight, but I don't know what that means to anybody listening to this in the future or whatever, but uh, it's on, you know, the, uh, I have the audio from uh, the accusations related to Peter Singer then, but 
Ah, oh, he's got too many other commitments and not enough time. Isn't that the case for all of us, though? Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> too, too much to do. Too little time. Too much to they, do. You, you, you have much? to go write a book now. So I uh, yes. So, sorry to interrupt the, the writing process here. Well, but, uh, Bob, it's always nice to be interrupted by you. So, but next week we'll the, we'll talk about the book. I'd like to talk about the book. Sounds good to me. Okay. Take care, Excellent. Bob. So we'll talk to you and Anna next week. Thanks for Take being care. with us today, Professor Gary Thank you. Thank you. Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com on Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and Twitter at GoVeganRadio. And again, I can't, uh, oh, I can't praise, I can't praise my work enough, my masterpiece, Radio Bobby. Uh, I really think you're going to enjoy it and that uh, it will be uh, something positive in your life that makes you feel good. I know, you don't want to feel too good, you feel guilty if you start enjoying life, right? So, uh, so uh, here's, a, here's a guilt-free pleasure. Listen to Radio Bobby, radiobobby.com. There are no commercials for uh, meat, dairy, fish, eggs, uh, leather, feathers, fur, wool, silk, um, anything uh, that uses animals. So um, that in itself is probably makes it worth listening and then there's never been a radio station like radio bobby there's never been a music station like radio bobby never never uh and there's a there's a lot of music there that you'll know a lot of music that'll be new to you that you'll love uh, vocals instrumentals everything just you know i don't i don't even want to categorize it it's radio bobby radiobobby.com please enjoy um I would like you to know about uh, some of the uh, good efforts from friends of ours. You can visit uh, the website possumswelcome.org to learn about an animal sanctuary in the making. This nonprofit is seeking coastal land uh, for this farm animal sanctuary. Uh, A great vision. Uh, Where the plans are, there'll be a small vegan cafe, a small five-room bed and breakfast and uh, weekly seminars um, to learn about veganic farming, yoga, vegan cooking, and, you know, just how to be conscious and compassionate so uh, you can get involved, help make this dream become a reality. I guess they're uh, looking for land, so you can go to, uh, well, you can email Christine 
Christine at possumswelcome.org. Christine at possumswelcome.org. And uh, take it from there. So, um, also, if you want to support a hot and sexy vegan fashion line, go visit sonusdenim.com. Um, and uh, you'll be supporting a vegan company uh, that's spelled S O N A S. S O N is in Nancy, A S Denim, like jeans, you know, dot com, sonusdenim.com. Each gene, you know, they have it down to each specific singular gene is uh, uniquely made, um, up to uh, 50 pieces made of up to 50 pieces of denim and made here in sunny California. Um, and sonasdenim.com also sells yoga pants. And uh, just check them out. Uh, you'll love their products uh, because they look and feel great. And they are entirely cruelty-free. That's sonasdenim.com for men's and women's. That's S-O-N-A-S-D-E-N-I-M.com. So, let's see. I did want to, uh, you know, it's a, it's a Halloween show, Halloween show, and I just want to uh, keep with our theme, you know, uh, our, uh, we talked earlier about go vegan or die. Um, and now, uh, let's think, what else can be scary? Uh... For me this year, limp mode is uh, is scary. That's something new that I fear, um, and I would like you to fear it too. Uh, I think I mentioned some shows back that I was uh, driving back to Northern California from Southern California, and uh, I had just eaten at Vegetarian House in San Jose. Driving 65 on the freeway, suddenly... My rental car, my brand new Chevrolet Malibu from Enterprise Rent-A-Car, lost power, decelerated, went down to 30 miles per hour. I'm in the left lane, and, you know, therefore, uh, there's a certain amount of fear in trying to move over to the right lane at 30 miles per hour, not knowing if the car is going to, you know, just totally give out. And uh, I did somehow manage to get over to the right lane and the next exit and was told by the tow truck driver, oh, you went into limp mode. Well, apparently that's built into the system, into the computer system uh, to, uh, what is it, to, to save the engine? <laughs> to save the engine, scare the driver, um, perhaps put you into a situation um, Perhaps put you into a situation of a fatal crash. Any any car around you that goes into limp mode, and they do it. It's it's actually, you know, I wound up googling it. It's actually, you know, because when I told Enterprise Rent a Car about it, nobody knew about limp mode there. But Google limp mode, it's it's there. Um, and uh, just out of the blue, you can be driving on the freeway, and your car will go down to about 30 miles per hour. Good luck. Uh, I just think that, 
I don't think that should be built into the system. I think I think one should be warned about it, right? You know, maybe when you're getting the rental car, like, oh, by the way, if you're driving on the freeway, for no reason, the car at any moment could, you know, just slip down to 30 miles an hour. Uh, for no, you know, for no reason. Um, the engine light will come on, or it'll say that, you know, the engine is operating at reduced power. So and that puts a lot of people at risk, and. Uh, kind of scary huh all right well that's what uh, that's what that's what we in the media are for right as brian williams the news liar on msnbc said you know it's our job to you know create fear so uh limp mode limp mode you know what else seems to be scary these days i think it's the truth um that, you know, so first I was thinking I dress as a terrorist for Halloween this year. That'll be my costume, meaning I wear, you know, what an accountant would wear. Um, then, you know, I think I decided mainly on uh, the costume that would be that FBI agent who was standing behind the Las Vegas sheriff at the press conferences. I don't remember seeing anybody as scary as he in a long time, right? Like lurch. Um, you know, pretty scary, pretty scary. Um, maybe I sh my costume should be I just uh, come as the truth on Halloween. That would that would really be a scary costume, you know. Uh, you know, oh, don't don't be afraid of me. I'm I'm just your friendly vegan truther here. Just your friendly vegan truther. Uh, and I must say that if uh, you're not vegan yet, I must ask, are you really a truther? Are you really? Um, uh, so um, I think that in our land of the of the brave and homeland of the free, uh, where if you haven't noticed, uh, it seems like everything is a lie. It's a little scary. Would that be a lie, too, here in our homeland of the brave and homeland of the free? Huh. Is everything a lie? Hmm. Uh, I think people think that now. I think people just expect that we get lies, and that's just the way it is. So it's probably it probably should be mandatory that one actually, when one does actually have the nerve uh, to... Uh, you know, or courage to say something truthful. Um, I think maybe afterward now that person should be required to say, you know, and that's the truth. And that's the truth. Just after saying something, just, you know, to differentiate that from normal conversation or what we normally get from the meaty, uh, you know, so um, just so that we know. Uh, hmm. <sighs> really really amazing what it's come to huh okay but you know i'll i'll stick with that and that's the truth i'll i'm gonna try to work that in just you know so i mean people tuning in right now or listening to the show for the first time i think like wow this show this show was in mainstream media right this was the first vegan show ever in mainstream media um back in 2001 as i mentioned we have been on the air america radio network 
CBS and Clear Channel stations around the country. We were just on the GCN radio network uh, for a few years. Uh, the same, yep, that same network with Alex Jones and uh, Roger Stone. Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, they, they wanted to look like they were more normal. You know, they wanted to look more normal. So why not put a vegan show up, right? So GCN told me I was their first food show. The first food show. I never knew this was a food show. I guess we talked about the health benefits of eating peas before, right? So maybe this is a food show. Huh? And that's the truth. Um, so anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, do, do, we get, do we get the truth about anything, huh? Do we get the truth? We don't get the truth from... Uh, I thought it was interesting. I saw the movie, What What the Health, right? What the Health, from the people who did uh, Cowspiracy. We, uh, we don't get the truth, especially uh, from uh, those organizations that we really expect to be on our side, you know, like the Heart Association, uh, Diabetes Association, you know, Susan G. Komen, you know, we, we wouldn't really expect that they would be sponsored by meat, dairy, fish, egg industries, you know, look, I mean, look at Susan, Susan G. Komen and, you know, was it Yo Play? It was one of the main, I mean, come on, you know, you can't have, you can't be a, a, an association that is supposed to oppose a disease sponsored by that which causes the disease and it's really upsetting um really good movie though um what the health you know really so i went to the uh for example i i went to the recipes recommended by the heart association now heart.org now the truth is uh, we've had Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn on this program. Actually, many of the doctors who appear in What the Health uh, have been on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden in the past. You know, we've done many shows over the past 16 years. And in fact, a lot of the topics and subject matter in What the Health have been covered in Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. And for example, we had uh, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn of the uh, renowned Cleveland Clinic um, telling us that nobody has to get heart disease. Nobody has to get heart disease. Um, it's, it's our diet. It's not our genes. It's that we eat meat, dairy, fish, and eggs. And that our children are showing signs of developing heart disease at a very young age. What, six, seven, eight? You know, and that's the truth. That's the truth. Um, so I really don't understand why when you go to the Heart Association, you see recipes like, well, here, look at the main dishes. Allspice rubbed pork tenderloin with cinnamon sautéed apples and cilantro rice. Sounds pretty good, except for that part about the uh, pork tenderloin there, huh? Wow. 
Heart Association recommending heart disease causing food. Asian inspired pasta salad with asparagus. Oh, is this a good one? Oh, wait, that might be a good one there. Okay. An Asian inspired pasta salad with asparagus, snow peas, and avocado. Okay. Avocado and coconut refresher smoothie. Okay, we're looking good here, right? Uh, oh, they ruined it. Okay. Mm. It's, uh, now you, oats, oats are really good. Oats are good. But not in, uh, baked oat crusted chicken fingers with sweet mustard sauce. Oh, and then there's the balsamic steak skewers with mixed vegetables and grilled sweet potatoes. These are recommendations from the Heart Association. These are recommended recipes from the Heart Association. Is corruption not rampant? Can we get a little truth around here? Huh? Uh, here's an, the, the next recipe. Beef kebabs with avocado uh, tzatziki sauce. Huh? Then chicken teriyaki. Chicken with creamy mushroom sauce and sautéed um, greens with pecans. Glad they finally got some greens in there. Huh? Then next, cozy beef stew. Then egg and cheese wrap. Egg, avocado, and black bean. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. As John Lennon sang, just give me some truth. Huh? Unbelievable. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So, uh, we can't get truth out of those associations. Apparently, you know, all of the, the environmental groups, none of them tell us to go vegan. Why? They're awash in rancher money also. Sierra Club, 350.org, Greenpeace, you know. So, um, they're not willing to save the environment. The Heart Association isn't willing to save you from heart disease. The Diabetes Association, the American Cancer Society, Susan G. Komen, all part of the corruption. Where's the truth? Where is the truth? The truth is on this vegan radio program. <laughs> I can't believe it. You know, it's unbelievable. Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. More important, really, more important to, to human health than the American Heart Association and all of those other associations, right? Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. More important uh, in addressing... Uh, climate, the environment, saving us from climate change, then 350.org and, uh, you know, Sierra Club, Greenpeace, all of them, all of them awash in millions of dollars to do nothing but work against the causes, you know, for which they are supposed to be working. This is pretty amazing, isn't it, when you come right down to it? So, uh, anyway... I don't know, is this, a, is this a good time to ask for a donation? <laughs> uh, more important than the American Heart Association. Um, more important than all environmental groups. Please support Go Vegan Radio. We, uh, you know, I mean, all of these organizations, like it's anything for a buck because they're, they're sponsored by the meat industries. The, the Humane Society of the United States is a member of an international livestock association. So, I mean, there's the corru corruption there. Um, so, 
you know, you'll never hear us uh, supporting cage-free eggs or uh, furnished battery cages or humane meat or humane slaughter. Um, as you hear, really, you hear it. You hear it from Peter. You hear that from Peter. How corrupt has the world become? Hmm. Maybe the show should be uh, the truther, the, the, you know, the vegan truther, Bob Linden here with you. I mean, it's really, it's down to that. So please, uh, would you support uh, our uh, truthful efforts on behalf of the vegan cause? In spite of everyone who should be asking you to go vegan... We're up to 6% now of the U.S. population, according to report, uh, report buyer in the U.K. Um, we're up to 6% of the U.S. population, vegans, in spite of everybody working against it, in spite of compassion over killing, working against it. And uh, these uh, animal organizations who ask you to go vegetarian at, at, in this day and age know that they're confusing the issue. And Compassion Over Killing just took $500,000 to promote broiler welfare, research on chickens, and then uh, in the future uh, we'll have the ability to say, hey, eat these chickens. They get the animal rights seal of approval because they're imprisoned, mutilated, and killed uh, the right way. You know, that's what it comes down to. So uh, I ask for your support. You know, we, we have, you know, we, we want to create more events. We, we need to upgrade our equipment. You know, everything from, hey, we need a new microphone, right? So uh, please find the donate button at GoVeganRadio.com. You can support us through Patreon subscription. Um, oh, also, which, you know, you can see at GoVeganRadio.com. Uh, and and really help us in in this cause. You, you, I mean, this is where your donations really count. They, you know, and I hate to ask for money. You know, I mean, all of these other organizations, the environmental groups, the uh, um, all of these medical associations. I mean, it's you know, it's anything for a buck. The so-called animal protection organizations, anything for a buck. And here. You know, it's for us, it's like anything to avoid a buck. You know, we don't like asking for money, but we need money. The others don't seem to mind. Look at the Humane Society of the United States. Every catastrophe is a fundraising opportunity for HSUS. And, uh, you know, when a hurricane, whatever the, the disaster, they're asking for your money and they're putting a very, very tiny percentage of the donations they get for that disaster into any disaster release. You know, what rip-offs. It's all, you know. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And again, let me just say that uh, if you're a truther, uh, but you're a non-vegan truther, you've not yet really found the truth. Uh, I also uh, would suggest that uh, the holiday season is coming. Check out Radio Bobby. It is my artistic masterpiece. Go to RadioBobby.com. You'll love the music there. And uh, there won't be any holiday music. So if you're looking to escape holiday music um, and find a place where 
you know, it's music like you've never heard. This is, I think you're really going to, it's the music experience of a lifetime. It happens to be my lifetime. <laughs> you know, all the music, a lot of music that in my career as a program director, I was involved with my college radio station and then commercial stations all across the country. I came across a lot of music in that career, and a lot of it has made it to RadioBobby.com. So uh, it is my artistic masterpiece. Also, I might suggest in the holiday season, if you're looking for a great gift, um, on last week's show, now archived, the GoVeganRadio.com, we uh, talked to Preston M. Smith, PMS, um, a vegan artist. You can go to PMSArtwork.com. And if you uh, use uh, the code revealed on last week's program, which is GoVegan, all in caps, G-O-V-E-G-A-N, you as a listener to Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden will get a 10% discount on the artwork that you order. And a donation will be made to Go Vegan Radio. So we would uh, greatly appreciate that. We greatly appreciate uh, that you uh, listen to this program. And we are here for you and the animals. And uh, we will talk again soon. Again, the website is GoVeganRadio.com.